before we get into today's episode, I've created a short questionnaire that will help me get to know you better. Those that fill out the questionnaire will get entered into a draw to win an Amazon gift card. So there's a link in the description for the episode. Click it, fill out the questionnaire, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Now for today's episode. This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and today I'm joined with Jason Pfeiffer who is Entrepreneur Magazine's Editor-in-Chief and also the author of Build for Tomorrow, How to Help You Future-Proof Your Career. Jason, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So when I try to figure out what people need to understand when it comes to growing businesses and planning for the future, your book actually has tomorrow in it which makes me think just the next day but then also further on down the line as well it's almost like you've got to do both haven't you uh yeah well sure you do i mean look you have to be functioning for today with a mindset that what you're doing today is not going to work tomorrow and therefore you need to build into your planning and your decisions today what change is going to look like and how you're going to be aware of it So is that about trying to delay gratification to a certain extent? Because it seems like you've got to build the right mentality and ability to think like that. Sometimes. I mean, I tell a story in the book about a a brewery owner who had a runaway hit with a beer and decided to, it was an IPA, and he decided to limit sales of that beer because it was on track to be the dominant product that his company sold. And, and he just knew that he could make a bunch, a bunch of money off of this right now. But in five, 10 years, who knows, IPAs won't be as popular as they are now. And therefore, he'll have spent five, 10 years basically setting people's expectation that he is a IPA brand. And that will mean that once that's not, once, once IPAs aren't as hot, he'll be an old brand. So he limited sales of his best-selling beer. It upset people. He tried to use it as an educational experience, you know, direct people to other styles of beer. And it worked. It was a brewery called Dogfish. And he formed this perception uh, of Dogfish as an innovative brand, not as an IPA brand. And he sold it for $300 million. That's because he was willing to make a sacrifice today, being mindful of growth tomorrow. Do you ever think that this almost goes against what people think of as hype marketing, building things up, launching short term, and some people tend to fall down because they don't think as you recommend that people do? I I mean, I think it depends on the business that you're in, right? I mean, if you're if you're producing a product and hype marketing is your is is your kind of primary way of driving sales of that product. It's possible that your product is a is by its very nature a short term, you know, product. It's something that's very trendy and buzzy and of the moment, and it's not designed to last more than a couple of years. And that's a fine business to run, because maybe you think of yourself not as a person who was made to run this business, but rather as a person who's really smart about identifying what's new now and building something that rides that wave and then making sure that you get off of it at the right time and on to the next. A lot of people do that and that's great. You know, the, the case with the brewery was that guy didn't want to build something that was going to crest and and collapse in four years because that wasn't the business that he was in. He was interested in something that he could own for decades and, you know, build and I, I guess ultimately eventually sell for quite a lot of money. 
So you have to be mindful of the business that you're in and what your future is supposed to look like. I suppose as well, it comes down to being self-aware enough to know what you actually want because if there's a misalignment there you might want something that lasts but aren't actually growing it in that way i think that's a great point uh a long time ago i was interviewing a the ceo of a company called foodsters and he said that one of the things he he most values in people that he works with is what he called situational awareness to be aware of what they know and what they don't know, what they're good at and what they're not good at, what their business needs and what it doesn't have yet. And the people that he trusts are the ones who have the most situational awareness. That, that always really stuck with me. And I find that the most accomplished entrepreneurs are very clear-eyed about what they're good at and equally clear-eyed about what they're not good at. Is this, do you think, why people tend to be unfulfilled by their business? Maybe they're unhappy because they're striving for something that they thought they wanted when in fact they didn't really want it. Well, that, that comes down, I think, to what your definition of success is. Now, everybody's definition of success is different, but the problem is we often operate off of someone else's definition of success. Not every business has to be a billion-dollar business. It just doesn't. But if you are going to structure your business in a way in which that's the only way it can thrive. Right? I mean, you know, a lot of people think that you need to go out and get a lot of investment dollars in order to in order to stand something up. And uh, you know, that's not true. Getting a lot of investment dollars is going to pigeonhole you into a certain kind of structure for your business and a certain growth expectation. But you can create a great lifestyle business. Uh, you know, I, I don't really like the term lifestyle business because I think that it's often used in a in a derogatory or kind of dismissive way. You know, a lifestyle business being a business that just supports your lifestyle. If somebody has a you know, a really um a really a really successful barber shop uh, on on a on a city street and uh and it's, you know, it's always full and maybe they want to open up a second, but you know what? Whatever the case is, it it funds their family, it allows them to take vacation, to have a nice life and they don't want to turn it into a nationwide chain of barbershops, that's fine. That's great. Be aware of what success looks like to you and do not worry about what it what it might look like to somebody else. You think we need some kind of blueprint for people to handle, let's say, external temptations or pulls away from your own definition because I get a funny feeling this might be easy for people in the first week or two when they're all mapping it out and they've got dozens of notebooks with all kinds of ideas and all kinds of mm -hmm. stories about what they want from their life or their company or whatever the case is and then when they start to take action usually when they get outside of their own little bubble of friends and peers it's a very different landscape with very different temptations and obstacles that some people just simply aren't prepared for. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that you can create a blueprint that everybody can follow, but I think the most important thing people can do is build a network, build a network of people that they trust who have a clear eyed perspective on what they're working on. It, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, that is such a simple thing to say, I realize, but you go and look at all of the, all of the organizations that have been thriving for decades, EO, YPO, things like that. Um, Chief is a huge one now focused on women executives. And there's a reason why those things 
thrive. And the reason is because people need networks and they don't naturally develop on their own sometimes. And so you have to go somewhere that can facilitate that for you. And I would say, do whatever it takes to make sure that you have access to people who are along the same path at you, as you and who are maybe a step or two ahead, uh, right? I mean, it doesn't, they're not going to be that helpful if they're 20 steps ahead, but if they're a step or two ahead and they've, they've seen a couple of the things that you're about to see or you're feeling now, that's incredibly valuable. And I, and I think that that will help you perhaps more than anything else. I imagine it being very important, actually, to pick the right people because you hear it a lot, don't you, where mm -hmm. what gets you here won't necessarily get you there. With someone right. that is there, what got them there might not help you get you to where you want to go because they're too far ahead. Yeah. Is, that, is that almost like people need to rein in their ambition slightly? Like they're trying to aim too far so the people that are going after simply don't know what can help them? Uh... I mean, I think that people have to be aware of what they need right now. You know, uh, it, people, uh, yes, there is definitely an inclination to take the big shot. And culturally, we reward taking the big shot. We, we tell stories about it. We praise people for doing it. But you have to understand. And, and look, and, you know, it's, 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 it's worth seeing if you can build relationships with incredibly successful people. Uh, it's just going to be a lot harder. I mean, I see this all the time, even in the way in which people approach trying to get press because, you know, I, I run Entrepreneur Magazine and, you know, we'll get these tiny little brands that are reaching out to us trying to get coverage in this national magazine. And, you know, I mean, honestly, if I was their advisor, I would say, what are you doing? Because you're like, okay, best case scenario, you get coverage and you're tiny. And you're, this is the only coverage in entrepreneur you're ever going to get because we don't write about companies twice. There are too many companies. So we write about you once and you're at a small scale and maybe a bunch of the people who we reach can't even be your consumer because you don't operate in their marketplace because you're not set up for all of their needs. And so it helped you a little bit because you're little, but it might've made a lot more sense for you to hold on and reach out when you're a little larger and see if you can get some, get some press when you're like really scaled up, you know, I, I but people are, they're over eager and they want that big thing right now. Um, I have approached my own career, to be honest with you, thinking about where I want to go and taking some big swings, but also making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm stepping onto something that my leg can actually reach. Uh, and, uh, and that meant that I moved in a way that I, I think is, I mean, you know, I became editor in chief of a national magazine at age 35. Um, you know, I guess you could say that that was pretty fast, but to be honest with me, it felt, it, it felt kind of slow. Um, and, but I, that's because I was methodical about, I started a tiny newspapers. I made, I made leaps that I felt were appropriate so that I was never getting, you know, what's the phrase, you getting your uh, something out ahead of your skis. And, um, and it worked out pace pace and be aware you find that a lot of it can actually be intuitive where you go in and think right maybe i can edge a little bit further than i think here maybe i can progress a bit faster now and then something might happen the next day or the next week and you think maybe i should take it a bit steady is it a feeling do you think or do you think it's a bit more thoughtful than that and it depends on what we're talking about here you know i mean like it, it's it's a difference between 
uh, I mean, like, you know, reaching out and trying to build a network is a lot different from, you know, sort of mapping out your five-year growth plan. But uh, I mean, the, you know, a, a sort of generic cautionary tale is uh, we, an entrepreneur, we cover the franchising industry a lot. Uh, it's just been core of the DNA of entrepreneur for decades. And a very common story in franchising so to be clear, right, this is a company that has decided to become a franchise, which means that it it, it you know it, it's sort of um, building relationships with independent operators who are going to open a a version of the store or or service that they uh, they offer. Um, the uh, a very common story is fast growth, right? Like a franchise comes out of the gate, and next by the next year it's got like fifty operating units, and then the next year it's got like a hundred operating units, and um, and then shrink, right? And then it shrinks for years or like stalls out. What happened? What happened was that they focused too much on sales of franchises to franchise owners as the metric of success. And they hadn't actually built out a scalable system so that when they got past, you know, five franchise owners uh, that they could be on the phone with all the time, and, and it became a kind of larger thing that they didn't have a system that everybody could follow and they didn't have a support system so that all their franchisees felt in lockstep. And then people just start like, you know, running their own businesses and making different decisions. And suddenly every one of your franchise units, which is supposed to operate the same, are operating wildly differently. And you have no control over the situation. And you have to start saying, oh my God, we made we we moved way too fast. We didn't make the right partnerships or relationships. And we got to start over. And then they 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 terminate a bunch of those relationships, they shrink down, they figure out the system, then they rebuild. I've seen that all the time. That is that is a perfect classic example of not being aware of what is actually necessary to scale. That's not a gut thing, right? That's making sure that you understand genuinely how the foundation that you're building supports what you're trying to do next. So it sounds like there's a lot of people that tend to get this wrong or tricky or things get complicated or they have this success causes them to fail because they try and grow too quickly there's this sense of if you push too hard too fast and you're not ready mm -hmm. for it mm -hmm. then things start to fall apart is there a way that we can actually get this right then is there something that you can think of that maybe distinguishes the ones that make it make a success of it whatever it looks like for them versus those that don't well I mean, look, there are a couple things here. There's something internal, which is, are you, do you have a vision for where this is going? Are you able to be in touch with and aware of the consumer that you're reaching and then willing to and able to pivot as you learn new things? I mean, how many companies have put something out into the world and then discover that their consumer is their like ideal consumer is not at all who they thought it was. Uh, right. You know, like sort of classic is like simply safe launches um, an alarm system with the thesis that renters need a um, need a an easy to install alarm system uh, because at the time everything, all alarm systems were like you had to wire them in homes and renters are never going to do that. And uh, and, you know, and then it turns out that once they go into the marketplace, and their growth isn't as strong as they would like it to be, uh, or as they as they anticipated it being. And they look at who their customer is, and they see that actually they kind of they're kind of sucking, and they're sucking with renters. Like renters are not interested in this. Homeowners, on the other hand, 
are pretty interested in it because it's much easier to install this than to have somebody come and like wire a system. But homeowners are buying it despite it being a thing for renters. And so now they have to abandon their original thesis, learn from the data that they've gotten from putting it out there and say, actually, I guess we're a better home alarm system than we were a uh, like apartment renter system. So, um, so part of it is, I think, being very alert to what you learn from the marketplace once you put something out there. Part of it is being aware of yourself as a leader. I've heard from so many leaders that one of the greatest surprises and challenges of building a business was discovering that they that they needed to be a different leader depending on the size and scale of their business. And they, they had to constantly reinvent themselves. And that, that was really challenging in those early days. Um, and then part of it is, look, if you don't know how to reach the next level, you better be surrounding yourself with people that do. And, um, and maybe even being humble enough to realize that they might be better at this than you and they might be better positioned to lead or to take charge. Uh, Mark Randolph famously stepped down as CEO, uh, the first CEO of Netflix, because he recognized, uh, I mean, he didn't do it on his own. Reed Hastings, his co-founder, basically put it to him, but they agreed that uh, Mark Randolph was great at the startup phase of a business, but Reed Hastings was going to be better as the CEO for the growth phase of the business. And they were right, obviously. And uh, um, but that takes a that takes a level of humility and awareness and surrounding yourself with the right people and and being willing to put them in positions of power, uh, even if it means a reduction of your own. Jason, it's been great to have this chat. I've been very blown away almost by the level of insight. You wouldn't necessarily think it getting inside the heads of people that are able to build their business for the future is something that you're in a very unique position to be in so aside from entrepreneur magazine the book build for tomorrow where can people grab it and how can people find out more about you yeah thanks i appreciate that it was great great being here uh so build for tomorrow the my book which is really all about exactly the stuff that we're talking about here today how do you how do you how do you build for tomorrow instead of building for yesterday uh, or focusing too much on just what you can drain out of today? Um, that is available wherever you find books, audiobook, ebook, uh, hardcover, Amazon, wherever, you know, wherever books are sold. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Jason, thanks so much. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much.